0: Now, if you'll please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, Brother James Albright will read from that scripture. As David said, I'll be reading from the book of Romans (coughs) chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or you do not know that as many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. It's good to see all of you this morning. It's always a good and enjoyable and beneficial time when we can gather together as God's people and offer to Him our worship and our praise and through that process uh, build each other up. So we're glad you're here today, especially if you're among our guests. Little boy was going to his first ever worship assembly never been before and uh, he was a guest of one of his friends and so they arrive there and they take their place and this this one boy who's who's never been before of course he doesn't understand all the things that are happening but he's curious and so he he wants to know what all of the things mean that are that are going on and so he periodically, he elbows his, his buddy next to him and, and asks what different things mean. And so he, you know, the, the man gets up to lead the singing and, and he elbows his buddy and says, what, what does that mean? And so he tries quietly to explain to him, well, he's, we're going to sing and he's going he's gonna to lead. So just, you know, just follow along. And um, <clears throat> the, the men get up to, uh, to serve the, the Lord's Supper. And he, he leans over and says, what does that mean? And so he tries to explain a little bit what it means. He's trying to be quiet, but trying to help his, his friend. And, and uh, the preacher gets up and uh, places his things on, and then he reaches up and grabs his watch. And he takes his watch off, and he looks at it like that and places it right there where he can see it. The little boy says, what does that mean? The guy said, nothing. Doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> Not a thing. <clears throat> but what if, what if that same little boy at that same assembly saw a baptism? And he turned to his friend and said, what does that mean? Put yourself in the position of the person receiving the question. Somebody says to you, what does that mean? How might you answer that question? What is the significance of baptism? Paul helps us to understand that in our text today, in Romans chapter 6. And in that chapter, specifically in the first four verses, one of the things that we learn about baptism, and if you're taking notes and you want this to be point number one, here it is. Baptism is about Jesus. We want to talk about the significance of that act. Baptism is about Jesus. If you take Jesus out of that whole process then baptism is a meaningless action. It doesn't have any significance if you take Jesus out of the process. Whatever significance baptism has, it has it because of its connection to Jesus. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, "...I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So Paul said when it comes to the the, the power, that which gives salvation its power, it's connected to Jesus. He said it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that's God's power to save. So whatever significance baptism has, if you divorce that from the good news about Jesus, then you've taken from that activity its power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, Paul wrote about the significance of this good news when he said, I deliver to you the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you the gospel that you received, the gospel wherein you stand, the gospel by which you're saved if you hold it fast. And then he gave the the basic contents of the gospel message, the good news, how that Jesus died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by witnesses following that event summarizing verses 1 through 4, 1 Corinthians 15. That's the good news. It's about the message of what Jesus did for us. Baptism is about Jesus. And so specifically, when you take that gospel message, here it is. In the first place, somebody died. But not just anybody, not just any somebody, it was Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world to fix what we messed up. You see, our sins created that need. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Your sins have separated between you and your God. Your iniquities have hidden His face from you. And so because of our sin, there was the need for someone to pay the price, the penalty for that sin. That someone would be Jesus because He is a sinless one Himself. In other words, anybody that was personally guilty of transgression would have nothing to offer anyone else by way of death. I can't die for the sins of the world. I can't die and have my death experience mean anything for someone else because I've got my own sins to pay for. But Jesus was sinless. And because of that, a sinless one who suffered the penalty for sin that he didn't commit would be in a position to then take that price that he paid and offer it to pay the price for those who needed it. So the gospel of Jesus is about someone dying. But the gospel is also about someone being buried. Jesus was buried. Paul says that's a part of the gospel message, part of the good news, 1 Corinthians 5, that Jesus died according to the Scriptures and that He was buried. Buried in a tomb that had been carved out of a rock. A tomb borrowed from a man named Joseph. And part of that gospel message involves not only somebody dying and somebody being buried, but also that same somebody being raised from the dead. Incidentally, the resurrection of Christ from the dead proved that He was indeed the Son of God. Romans 1 verse 4. Proven to be the Son of God with power by His resurrection from the dead. His resurrection validates the Christian religion. First Corinthians 15 verses 12 through 20. And in the process of his being raised from the dead, he became, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the personal guarantee of our future resurrections. The reason why we have hope in death, the reason why we have confident expectation of being raised ourselves from the dead one day is because he was raised from the dead. And is our personal guarantee of future resurrections. So when you begin to talk about the significance of baptism, its significance is rooted in Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's power to save that involves someone dying, someone being buried, and someone being raised from the dead. Now to take all that information and kind of put it in one nice, neat little package, it's hard to find a better passage than Acts 2, verses 22 to 24. When Peter really gets into the heart of his Pentecost Day sermon, really kind of started it earlier in the chapter than that as he addressed the, um, uh, those that had made the accusation that these men are drunk as they were speaking in tongues, and Peter addresses that, sets aside that accusation. But then in verse 22 is where he really gets into the, the meat, the heart of his message. And he says, Men of Israel... Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him, being delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up having loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. to catch the message? Death, burial, resurrection. That's the gospel message. That's what gives baptism its significance. And so, when you start talking about what that means, it starts there. Baptism is about Jesus. We have missed the mark. <clears throat> I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say, because I don't want to be misunderstood. We have missed the mark if we convert people to baptism without converting them to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that baptism is not necessary in the process. We're going to talk about that. But if we don't convert people to Jesus and we only convert them to an action... And we haven't converted them to the one who's responsible for taking away their sins and the one in whom they're to place their trust. It's more than just an action, though it's a necessary action. Baptism's about Jesus. You take Jesus out of that, and you can teach people about that process, about that action, and never mention Jesus. If We do that. We're not helping people. Baptism's about Jesus. In the second place, the significance of baptism is this, that in baptism, we create a relationship with Jesus. In baptism, we create a relationship, a connection with Jesus that doesn't exist in the absence of baptism. Remember we talked about how in the gospel, God's power to save, that that gospel involves somebody dying, somebody being buried, and somebody being raised. In baptism, according to Romans 6 verses 1 to 4, guess what we have? In baptism, somebody dies. Just like in the gospel message somebody dies, in baptism somebody dies. But it's not exactly the same in this respect. Jesus, when he died, died for sin. Sin existed, Jesus died for the purpose of removing the guilt of it. And the eternal consequences of it. So Jesus died for sin. When an individual today is baptized into Christ, they don't die for sin. They die to sin. To the practice of sin. Paul references that in Romans chapter 6. Look at verses 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. His point there is, when you are converted to Jesus Christ, in the process of that you are baptized into him, a death takes place. You die to the practice, the habitual practice of sin. You no longer live in sin. Now, there will be occasions when, after that, that you, through, through natural human weakness, are going to stumble and not live up to God's expectations and sin. But that becomes the exception and not the rule. You're no longer living in a situation in which you are enslaved to sin. You're dead to that practice. Look at verses 10 and 11, Romans 6. For the death he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. And so we no longer live enslaved to sin. So in baptism, someone dies. But also in baptism, someone's buried. Just like in the gospel, Jesus was buried in a tomb. In baptism, there's also a burial. But it's not a burial in the earth, it's a burial in water. See, here is water. The Ethiopian said, Acts 8, verse 36, what hinders me from being baptized? And so baptism doesn't involve being placed under the ground, under the earth. It's being placed under water. It's a burial in water, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. You are buried with him. And notice how that creates the relationship. Remember we said, first of all, that baptism is about Jesus? and that in baptism we create a connection with Jesus that doesn't exist in the absence of that action? Notice, you are buried with Him in baptism. There's a connection there, is there not? Buried with Him... and then raised. In the gospel, someone died, someone was buried, and someone was raised from the dead. In baptism, someone dies, someone is buried, and someone is raised. Raised to walk in newness of life, Paul says in Romans 6. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so you also are raised to walk in newness of life. Notice when the new life begins. And this gets back to baptism being an essential part of the process. That's why I said earlier, I don't want to be misunderstood. When I said if we convert people, we need to convert people to Jesus and don't just convert them to baptism, that's that's a true statement. That doesn't mean that baptism is not necessary because Paul says so here. You are raised from that watery grave to newness of life. The new life in Christ begins when you are raised from that burial, not before. Some people try to have the new life beginning before there's even been the death and burial. Well, that's not the way the New Testament lays it out. The resurrection happens and you're raised to new life. Paul makes a similar point in Colossians 2, verses 2. Verse number 12, and then in chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians two twelve, Paul says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein you're also risen with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Right? There's the burial and the resurrection. And then he says in chapter 3, verse 1 of Colossians, If then you are risen with Christ, then seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so, dead to sin, but alive unto God. Romans 6, verse 11. Paul makes a similar point. Galatians 2, verse 20, when he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Sounds like death to me, doesn't it? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not I, it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A death a burial, and a resurrection. That's the significance of baptism. In baptism, we, in a sense, reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, in a sense. That's Paul's point in Romans chapter 6. And later in that chapter, when he says in verses 16 and 17... When he says, you know, don't you know that to, to whom you yield yourselves to obey his servant, you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But then, verse 17, Romans 6, But God be thanked that though you were the servants of sin, you obeyed. Here it is. You obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine delivered to you. you know what that word form is? It's a word for pattern. You obeyed the pattern of doctrine delivered to you and being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. So Paul says, look, there was a pattern that you followed. There was a pattern of doctrine that you obeyed and following your obedience to that, you were made free from sin. What is a pattern? Any of you ever make dresses? I never have, but I've seen my wife make them. She has a pattern, right? You lay it down on the fabric and you cut out, right? You follow the pattern. Paul said you followed a pattern. You obeyed the pattern of doctrine and were then made free from sin. What pattern is he talking about? I submit it's the same one he talked about in the very same chapter in the first few verses. You obeyed the form you reenacted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That was the pattern of doctrine that was delivered to you, and you obeyed that from the heart and were then made free from sin. That's the significance of baptism. It's where we become joined in a very special and unique way to Jesus Christ by going through a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And that joins me to him. But if this joining in baptism doesn't happen, then there's no promise of being with him in the future. In Romans 6 verse 5 he says, For if, now stop there for just a second. When he uses the word if that is automatically telling us something it's automatically telling us that what he's about to state is a conditional statement if i if i say to um, to my sweet wife can i go outside and play and she says if you take the trash out then I know, good and well, that I cannot go outside and play until I have met the condition. Right? That's what the word if signifies. Paul in Romans 6 verse 5 says, For if we are planted together with him in the likeness of his death, then we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You want new life? You want all the blessings and benefits that come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, including your future eternal resurrection to glory? That will only happen if you are planted with him in the likeness of his death. If not, then you don't get the blessings of the resurrection. That's why baptism is significant. Because, number one, it's about Jesus Without Jesus in the mix, without Jesus in the process, that is a useless action. Baptism is about Jesus, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Because in that act, we reenact His death, His burial, His resurrection that creates a union with Him that enables us to enjoy the blessings of His resurrection. And without that union, no blessing. So that leaves us then with... The question, have you been united with him in the likeness of his death? If not, then the hope of being with him in the likeness of his resurrection does not belong to you. Now it may be this morning that you haven't done that. You haven't been united with him, but yet... You had not got it all put together, right? You've still got some questions, some things that, that you're not sure about. Well, this is not a decision to be made lightly. And so if you've got some doubt, some reservation in your mind about it, and you want to study further, let us know that today. So we can open up the Word of God with you and help you to come to a better understanding of the truth that you might be obedient to it. But if you've reached the point in your study and understanding of the Word of God that you know that you've got to do that, that you need to do that, and you're ready to make that commitment today, and we're ready to help you complete your obedience and be joined together with Christ in the likeness of His death. It may be the case that some of you who have already been joined to Christ in that event have not been living like you should in the aftermath of that event. You know, Paul said, if then you've been risen with Christ, then seek those things that are above. Maybe you haven't been doing that. Well, if that is descriptive of your circumstance, then change your focus today and set your mind and your heart on things above and not on things of the earth. And live like one who's been joined to Christ. And if we may help you today in some way to pray for you and pray with you, If we may help you to get some sin out of your life so that you can be reunited once again with your Savior and your Lord, then let us help you with that today. Please come as we stand together and sing.